yesterday I spoke of Master Yunmen, and today I will speak a bit more. And we might wonder why bother with someone who's from the 9th, 10th century in China. The reason his words are useful is because they're simple and straightforward and they apply to any person doesn't matter what culture, what century. So we'll explore this a little bit further. In fact, all that we're exploring here is our own life, your own life, my own life. In a way, the best exploration is in our zazenig, when we're sitting, when we're walking throughout our day. That's the best clarification and manifesting of who we are. And yet, being human, we sometimes find something useful in words turning us in a direction that we might otherwise miss. However, at the same time, as all sorts of ancestors have said, we can make trouble for ourselves if we believe the words. In fact, that's what Yunmen says. Don't say that I'm deceiving you today. I simply cannot get around provoking confusion in front of you. He says, what's the matter with you? What do you lack? See, we could stop at that point. What does our life lack? What do we believe is not okay or is lacking in our life as it is this moment? Now, of course, if we go that way, he says, if I say to you that nothing's the matter, I've already misled you. Why is he misled us? Well, he says you have to attain this level of realization in your own life. And be careful. Don't use your mouth for haphazard activities. So, in one sense... There's not a thing we're lacking. 
There's nothing the matter. But as soon as we take those words and make something of it, then that already misleads us. So Yunmen was known for his questions and responses. And one of his successes articulated his style by saying there's three things, three propositions that can be seen in Yunmen's statements. And we could say these are useful in all of our understanding and statements. Sometimes it's said that these three were in each statement, and sometimes it's said just any of these. The first is any statements permeated and covered the whole cosmic order. Sometimes it's said it's like a lid that fits perfectly on a box. In other words, if the circumstance or question was in a certain way, his response was like a lid that fit perfectly on a box. So it goes exactly to what's needed and called for. And at the same time, it cuts off all the flows, all the streams, meaning it doesn't feed us more thinking, emoting, reacting, because that's the tendency. And in the first matter that I brought up, he says just that. Don't take advantage of your mouth for haphazard questioning cutting off once and for all the flow of streams. And at the same time, it said, he follows the waves and keeps up with the currents. In other words, he follows along the question by continuing the direction it's going. So these are ways that he responds directly to questions that are asked. Often, of course, as you've seen, he often answers his own questions. So when he asks, brings up, what is the one road of Yunmen, or what is the one way of Yunmen, or the teaching of Yunmen, he says it very simply. Personal experience. It's a very modern answer, in a way. Now, of course, that's a translation of a Chinese character, and you might want to translate it a little differently. But see this as how it echoes exactly what Jokos said, that we say, that the four practice principles that I've said, and that doesn't lack No one here lacks personal experience. Can't be otherwise. Except in the midst of personal experiencing, we 
make all sorts of conditions, stories, and self, which, as he puts it, becomes a thick mass of illusion. In other words, we cover up our personal experience with our habits of mind. Not because we're trying to do that, but because that's the habit and that's the cause and effect tendencies that we've been living out of. We've been living out of that. (coughs) So, Yun-Men always is encourages. What do all of you lack, he says. Who of any of us hasn't got their full share of this life experiencing? Every one of us. If you hear what I'm saying, you are hearing. You are experiencing when you sit down and when you stand up. Nevertheless, he also quickly cautions the instance you see the instant you see an old monk open his mouth, you tend to stuff those big stones right into your mouth. In other words, we try to grab things from others. He gets even more what should I say? More prosaic about it. He says, you're exactly like those green flies on shit that struggle back to back to gobble it up and take it away. He says, shame on you. Shame on you. Because if we look for something from outside, then we're already misdirecting ourselves, And yet that tendency is very strong. Instead of being this personal experiencing, we look for something else. And if we look for something else, we could find all sorts of things, but it just takes us more and more. That's why he says, Even if I tell you that nothing's the matter right now, I'm already misleading you. Because we want to look for words and ideas and understanding. And while those are fine for some things, they create trouble in our life when we use them as a substitute for our own experiencing, when we use them to cover over our own life or to filter our own life. Over and over he says, what do all of you lack? Who of you full-fledged people, full-fledged, all of us, as far as I know, everyone here, is a full-fledged person who hasn't got their share. But if you believe this but don't live it, you're out of luck. 
So don't fall for the tricks of others or the tricks of yourself. So what Yunmen wants is us to, in the immediacy of our life, grasp, function, do what's called for. Not because it's something artificial or something extra, but because it's the fundamental aspect of what our practice is, what the Buddha's teaching is. Always that's the fundamental aspect. So, if I'll go back to what we, what I brought up yesterday, the first two illnesses. What are the first two illnesses? When the light doesn't penetrate completely. When wherever you are is not quite clear and there are things in front of you, that is one. So, in a way that's pointing out to us where our attention needs to be. Our attention in our life and in our practice is to see what we're believing about things in front of us, whether it's so-called mine or so-called others. Because then we believe, I'm here and there is not me. And if we function in that kind of dualistic world, then we get the consequences of likes and dislikes, getting what we want or not getting what we want, and all the entanglement that comes from that. And we don't see what our life is, because then we think our practice is somehow in this bag of skin and bones. We think our life is somehow in this bag of skin and bones. And if we do that, then we're in trouble. We're in trouble because we keep making problems. We make problems for ourselves and we make problems for others. And you don't have to believe me except to notice, is it so for you? Is it so for you? See, that's why our practice is always looking exactly what this moment is calling for and how can I respond to it just as a perfectly covered lid on a box? How do I respond to the circumstance of my life skillfully? Of course, my life isn't mine separate from everyone else. In a way, that's why we sit together in session, because we have support of the form and support from each other. We don't have to figure out how. And that's why it's important to know that in the Buddhist tradition, there's three treasures. Buddha is the awakening or the awakened one. Dharma is the teaching and Sangha is the people who practice together. 
So we don't practice for ourselves. We practice with and for the whole of the Sangha. And the Sangha might be the people that are in this room, but they're also the people that you encounter from morning to night all over your life, all over Champagne, all over the virtual world as well as the so-called real world. All sorts of Sanghas that we encounter, whether we or they know it, those are our opportunities because those are the places where we can see what's happening in front of us is not quite clear. And there are things, things that are separate from myself. Things there. Things in the sense of fixed, permanent, separate. If you want, we could talk about emptiness of dharmas. We could talk about interbeing and interpenetrating or interconnecting. Those are useful, but those are big fancy words. And what's more important is to be present, to be the, as Yunman says, the personal experiencing, or just plain the experiencing. Because then we know for ourselves what this life is. And the other part of it is even when even when we see the let's say, ongoing change or emptiness and non-self, fancy words, but see that in our own experience, still something is there. Still there are circumstances when we react that something is there. That's why our practice is always our personal experiencing because That's where we get to see and taste when something is there. And we get to sense the something that's making so-called difficulties and maybe what is called for, what we can do. And it's always simple. It's always right in front of us. It's always if you want to say, noticing where we're holding on and being the experiencing even in the midst of holding on. Okay. I want to have us talk about this more as our practice rather than me read to you from Yunmen's voluminous writings. There are some very nice collections of his words and teaching and his style and I've only touched a few of them here.
So I will stop now, and maybe we can talk a little more. So uh, in closing, let me quote two phrases he used. True emptiness does not destroy reality, or we could it could be translated existential reality. Important to know that it's not an either or. And formless is one with the world of forms. Formless is one with the world of forms. That's why he could say, right here, your life, you lack nothing. But as soon as we go in either side, sticking somewhere or other, every one of us is fully endowed with exactly the right share and unfortunately we fall for our own tricks or the tricks of others. Tricks not in the sense of malicious but tricks in the sense of strong habits that what should I say we are certain are the truth of how we are and how reality is. And in holding on to that, we make trouble. Or we sense trouble. So if we sense trouble, difficulties, harming, suffering, we know that somewhere we're believing something. Somewhere in the midst of nothing lacking, we're believing he, she, I, and lacking something. We believe there are things I can't accept. There are things outside of me that are not me. Okay, I'll stop here. If you want to tra- change your positions, please do. Please do. We'll see what you have to say. Yes. If I really do this, and, and the truth is that that's not, that's not that's not the truth. I mean, in other words, uh-huh. uh, it, it may or may not go the way I think it's going to go, you know. And so um, that's just um, that that um, sometimes I see that as sort of interfering a little bit mm-hmm. with just really allowing, just letting go, and just being. Yeah. So, in a way, what you said is very good. Because you said you can even sense it. 
And being able to sense that is an important aspect of practice. Because then we can see what to do. It doesn't mean it doesn't return and reappear over and over. But each time we sense it, that much more, what should I say, sensitivity we have, that much more we are don't have to be trapped or blinded by what would otherwise cause trouble for us. Um, and we can't stop ourselves from being blinded until we're not. In other words, you, you could say, well, I'm not going to be blinded about these things. And already there, as he said, then you've already created all sorts of problems because you're believing all sorts of things that are blinding you. Truly, nothing blinds us. Even the seeming blinding is just this life unfolding or revolving, if we use that word, except that we grab onto bits and pieces of it and make some things the ones I want or some things the ones I don't want, or as he said, some things that are empty and some things that are not quite clear what's in front of us. Yeah. When when I go about my life, I try to take my practice into my work, and I try uh-huh. to serve people, and I try to keep my boundaries uh-huh. open as part of practice. And and people, my ex-husband said I have a sign on my forehead that says "Tell me all your problems," and I guess uh-huh. I kind of do, but I like serving people that way. But then. What am I doing wrong that then some sometimes I just have to spend the whole day in bed. Sometimes yeah. I'm just so tapped out and then I think, what am I doing wrong here? Not everyone wants to be served in the way you want to serve them. Many people might insist that they know the way they're supposed to be served and it's supposed to be doing A, B, C, D. That's exactly what becomes sometimes the problem because in a sense that reinforces what creates problems for them and for others. So serving is wonderful practice, but how do we serve out of being present rather than out of a predetermined idea of what would be serving, whether I've predetermined it or they predetermined? I just try to listen and then I just try yeah. to be helpful, but I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what I'm predetermining, but. Well, just, just, I mean, sometimes it's not clear what will be, what's, quote, helpful. What's helpful for them or what's helpful for both of us together or what's helpful for the larger group. Sometimes help is not what we want. We want someone to take away the reality of certain events or conditions that exist in the hard world, whether it's in terms of our own condition or those of others or those of circumstances. I mean, I could say, I want help with the cold weather outside, but I'm going to stand outside and I don't want to put on a coat. 
and I don't like being cold. I need help with this. I need some magical thing to take care of the cold. Now you look at me and you'll say, you're crazy. But sometimes people do that. So it's a matter of seeing what what is the way we want. How do we embrace that? And what is embracing what we don't want? Uh, Joko once said about relationships, you have to love someone for who they are and love them for who they're not. Often what we want is who they're not to become like who we think they should be. I don't want to be with someone who's like that or who's not, and you fill in whatever the not is. And that's part of our practice because the universe, whether in small or big senses, just keeps on revealing and all sorts of aspects of so-called self and so-called other. If we don't hold on to it, then the others can come and go. They don't have to be any particular form. That's exactly what... When wherever you are is not quite clear, there are things in front of you that is one. See, So how do we allow be light penetrating even penetrating in what we don't want to be the way it is. How do we respond to the light penetrating the reality of the universe that is not the way I want the universe right now? Nevertheless, the totality of our life is ourself. Or if we say it a different way, the way I articulated the Buddha's awakening, all beings are the wisdom and perfection of the Buddha, or the Tathagata. All beings, meaning all beings are the revolving of cause and effect that manifests and disappears and manifests and disappears right now as it is. And there's nothing lacking in that except where we insist that some shouldn't and some should. It doesn't mean that there isn't to respond, but it's this, all the ten directions, the whole world is just the body of our life. And therefore, as you say, we take care of it, or we serve it, without getting stuck on our preconceptions about how it should be served. And sometimes it's very difficult because then we react because we don't get the results that we want when we're serving it. Why are they so angry with me or so nasty to me? All I'm doing is serving them and they're instead they're making difficulties for me. So of course that's the reason to get into bed and cover your head with the blanket and say, I don't want to be here. Take me away. I'm doing my best and they don't like it.
That's right. And then but maybe I could act differently next time. But it's be careful when you say I'm extraordinary, extraordinarily arrogant. Instead, there's this habit and reaction that manifests as arrogance to whatever causes inside and outside. It's just a, it's a habit that seems very familiar and natural to you. But I wouldn't say you are that. I would say. We all do things that are entangled and create suffering and harm, whether we call it arrogance or greed or anger or depression or confusion. All of those habits occur because that's the nature of being human is that there's habits that arise, reactive habits and beliefs, whether they're DNA and genetic or sociological, psychological, etc. We don't have to figure out where they come from, but we can see in our living, where we do some of those things, which is why there's those two aspects of practice. There's the noticing what we're believing, doing, saying, whether to ourselves or others, and when we can notice that is the opportunity to be the experiencing bodily moment and also seeing if there's something to do. Oh, excuse me, I I spoke without thinking. Please excuse me, I didn't mean, or I did mean. (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't think about you. I only thought about myself. One of the hardest things about sitting is getting to see all the stuff, mental, emotional, I mean, I'm using that word very loosely, thoughts and feelings and beliefs, and that if we sit still and upright, or even if we're just present throughout our life, we start noticing these things pop up, and we're sure they're truth, we're sure they're right, we're sure we have to act on them, and everyone else be damned. Or everyone else needs to know that that's the way it should be. And I don't know what's the matter with them, why they don't get it. I've told it to them before, that this is what they need to do, and this is how they need to be. Now, some of you know that you can tell children many times about how they're supposed to be, but somehow they don't always get it. (laughs) In fact, they often don't get it the way you think they should. And you could also tell adults that. Um, and you could tell co-workers that, about how they're supposed to do whatever. And somehow they, they did it again. I thought we had it all cleared up. You were going to do such and such and such and such. And you didn't do it. Well, I didn't think it was so important. Yeah, I thought you must be mistaken. This must be an, a, a, 
extraordinary situation. It doesn't apply here. You know, I really can't agree with this now or any other numerous. And often these habits are running so strongly that it's not only five seconds, but sometimes it's five minutes or five hours before we notice where we're going round and round and entangled. And yet, and yet, from the beginning we lack nothing except that we want to pile stuff on top of our head. You, you probably have noticed human is fairly, um, what should I say, direct and sometimes even scatological. He doesn't put up with crap, to use a word. That's just the way he was. And he was sometimes quite quite abrupt and short with his disciples. He would, in the middle of doing something, he would stand up and say something and ask them a question. And if they, if none of them said anything useful or if they said things not useful, he would grab a stick and say, go, get out of here, get out of here. And he would drive them out. There's quite a number of instances like that. Um, so he didn't tolerate, well, there's the expression fools, but we're all fools. There's not a blame involved. We all get fooled by our thoughts and beliefs. So it's fine to be fooled. Because if we can notice that we're fooled, there is the opportunity to shine the light of the experiencing so that for a moment we're not fooled. For a moment we are who we are. Someone, yeah. Going back to what you were talking about with, you know, what are we noticing our beliefs and and noticing ourselves telling these stories. And I have a coworker that I've, I've sometimes I, I realize that I'm telling myself this story, you know, this guy, oh, he's, you know, he's dumber than a stick, or <laughs> he's, you know, he's just doing this to tick me off, or, you know, any, any number of things. And sometimes I catch myself that, you know, no, this is just me telling myself this story and getting caught up in I know everything about everything. Sometimes I don't. But lately I've noticed that I, I've, I don't know why I'm doing it, but I, I've been regularly trying to get assigned to work on things with him more just because I keep, I, I notice that he, he brings the, my probability of having these interactions where I realize that I'm doing something like this is much greater with him than it is with other people. And so I, I don't know why I keep putting myself in these positions where just to sit here and watch myself how I am with him. Well, counterproductive because. I mean, this this is just me bumping into a brick wall. Oh, counterproductive because you want him to be different. No, I, I I don't expect him to be different. But, 
But you want yourself not to be in that situation with him. Yeah, somehow I think that, oh, well, you know, at some point here I'll figure out a better way of interfacing with this guy. Or I'll figure out, you know, there's a a communication style here that I'll eventually find out will work with him or something. I don't know. I just, I keep putting myself in this situation. Work with him in order to get what? That my story comes up less and less, that the guy's dumber than a stick. So that you will hold on to that story less, or be able to have that there, but not affect what you're doing and not believing your judgments of him. Something like that. And not believe your story, he shouldn't be dumber than a stick. Maybe just catch it earlier when uh-huh. it comes up, because it comes up very regularly with him. Yeah. I, I feel like I should be able to get catch on to myself, latching on to that quicker the more uh-huh. times I interact with this guy. And I don't. Okay. It's not the story I told myself to. <laughs> That's why, in a sense, our practice is our whole life. That's why Yunmen says. Just step back and investigate underneath your feet and see what there is to do. You don't have to pretend, just investigate right where you are. Because that's the perfect place. Because that's where we are. problem is when wherever you are is not quite clear and there are things in front of you, that is one. The second one is even though you thoroughly penetrate the emptiness of all dharmas, there still somehow seems to be something. In this also light has not penetrated completely. So in one sense, the first one is about things out there, so to speak. And the second one is about so-called things in here or us. In other words, there's still something here where we hold on to our accomplishments, our wanting, our likes and dislikes. So sometimes it's talked about as person and dharma is empty. So that's, again, this is just a way of talking about it, and we need to remember that it's, though it might be useful talk, it doesn't, reality doesn't fit into any of those categories. This is just a way of talking about sicknesses, so to speak, and also about what is useful to as medicine for these sicknesses, as medicine for where we create trouble.
it's the it's the creating trouble that we need to take care of. And even though we can hear things, we don't know how to take care of it. For instance, he says, what besides wearing a robe, eating, moving your bowels and urinating is the matter? That's all you need to take care of. Why do we need to pay so much attention to figuring out giving rise and all sorts of reasons to so many different kinds of delusive thoughts. See, right now, he's saying, is anything the matter? But, though we could say this, it's not so easy to do this, because we believe there's all sorts of things the matter. See, all sorts of things we believe are the matter. So when we have a sense that something's the matter, that's a good signal to see what am I believing. Not to say that there isn't anything the matter, but what am I believing and what is skillful to do about this that I believe is, quote, the matter. On one hand, he's over and over encouraging us to know we each have and are this fun great functioning of life or of Buddha. And it doesn't require any extra effort. Yet, yet, for whatever reasons, all sorts of cause and effect, or he could call it karma, occurs, all sorts of reactive habits occur, and then we run around and we victimize ourselves and others. So that so it's very simple and straightforward. And it doesn't give us many ideas because it simply says, turn right where you are. Don't go looking for theories. Don't try to get something from someone else as words that you need to remember or memorize. Simply live your life as a life of practice. Then all sorts of things are taken care of. And all sorts of opportunities that need to be taken care of will appear. That's why I think it's valuable to bring him up, even though he's more than a thousand years ago. I think I said yesterday he died in 949, uh, May something. <coughs> 
949. So that's more than a thousand years ago. Yes? Well, first of all, I don't know if I got anything out of what he said a thousand years ago, but I got Good. something out of your explanation today Good. of what he said. And I was thinking about um, one time, what you just said, just, uh -huh. just prior, um, um, about, um, well, I can't even remember the words you use now, but it reminded me of a time when I was telling you about how what a hard week I had and had had, and you said, what's hard about the week right now? Um, mm -hmm. In other words, you know, and I realized that, you know, there was nothing hard about the week in that moment. I was insisting, unless I kept insisting that I'd had a hard week. Yeah. Um, and when I w am at work, then I can deal with whatever arises at work, but I don't have to continue to insist afterward, carry it with me, and and mm -hmm. make it be like something that's wrong right yeah. now. I think we've spoken enough for this afternoon. Thank you all. Thoughts, 